was the period of just intense introspection. And I did everything from like lay in bed for full days at a time to therapy, to taking a lot of Prozac, to meditation, to very intense exercise. And, you know, when you are having problems, you intrinsically try everything or try anything to try to make yourself feel better. And when you are suffering deeply, you grow immensely as a person. My guest today is Lo Bosworth. If you're a millennial, you might remember Lo as a cast member of one of the biggest reality TV dramas of the early aughts, Laguna Beach. Lowe would later go on to co-star in a subsequent reality TV series, The Hills, but for Lowe, Hollywood wasn't the end goal. And becoming famous at such an early and formative age was challenging. As with many former reality stars, navigating the post-television career path was at times a struggle for Lowe. But Lowe has found success in the entrepreneurial space with her health company, Love Wellness, which she started in 2016. And she is absolutely passionate about the cause behind it. My full conversation with Lowe Bosworth right after this quick break. Lowe Bosworth, thank you so much for joining Imposters. Yeah, I'm so happy to, to be here. Thank you for having me. Pumped to have you. So just to hop right in, you were around 16 years old when you became famous for starring in Laguna Beach, uh, which was obviously the super popular MTV reality show, came out in 2004, I believe. I am curious to know how that experience of becoming famous for the first time at such a pivotal age while you're preparing for college and you're essentially on the cusp of becoming an independent adult, what was that experience like for you? How did it impact you as a, as a person? Well, it freaked me out, <laughs> to be totally honest. So we really had no idea how big Laguna was going to be, if it was going to be a one-hour episode of, do you remember that show True Life of course. on TV? It's like, True Life, I got calf implants. <laughs> <laughs> so we had really no concept of you know how the show was going to be received or what it would be because reality TV as a genre was still very, very new at the time. Um, and Laguna, to a certain degree, kind of created this like drama reality TV category. And yes, I recorded the first season of Laguna Beach when I was a senior in high school. So I was 16, 17. And then the very first episode premiered my very first week at university. <laughs> and I went from having about three normal days of college to never having a normal day ever again. And it was a very jarring and emotional experience for me because I was, I was a kid, I was 17. And all of a sudden I would be, you know, walking to class and other students would like yell profanities at me. <laughs> I was like, why is this happening? So really overnight I went from totally normal to being, 
you know, at college, away from home for the first time, isolated by myself and everyone was staring at me. And, and I, it took a really long time to sort of learn how to deal with that kind of attention, whether it was positive or negative. And ultimately over time, it has turned me into somebody with really thick skin, but I think also a very interesting understanding of humanity and, and people and their motivations. And I think it's made me a better CEO, to be honest with you. How did you reconcile finding your own intrinsic motivation and sense of self-love and self-confidence when, as you became famous and people recognize you, it is so easy to fall into, let's just call it like the loop or the spiral of being motivated by extrinsic validation? How did you kind of just stay true to what drove you internally? I always had awareness from the beginning that reality TV like inherently is a little bit cringy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always kind of just knew it <laughs> going in. And I justified participating in it because of, you know, the the salary that I was provided. I was like, this is a good job. <laughs> I have 20 and I'm making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And this is creating potentially bigger opportunities for me in the future. And so I still feel that way though, right? I'm still like, oh, reality TV, this is so embarrassing. Um, so I have sort of that feeling about it. And I think I have been able to understand the incredible privilege that it has provided me in terms of opportunity, audience, ability to communicate with a large group of people. And sort of that outweighs any personal feelings that I might have about it. Right. But it has taken some time and it's been an evolution of really sort of coming to terms with myself and just being able to love and accept myself for who I am. You know, it's like, okay, I did this thing when I was a kid and it's kind of silly and you can look back and, you know, laugh at me or whatever. But I also understand the kind of opportunity that I was given. And I've worked really hard over the last 10 years to, to make the most out of it and to create a really beautiful life for myself that I'm in control of, right? Versus a director in an editing booth deciding like, oh, this is how people are going to see this this girl. I've always been a very logical, rational person. For sure. So you mentioned a minute ago that people on campus after that third day would just drop profanities at you. Yeah. And then you also mentioned how you have a, a thick skin that has served you in a lot of ways as a founder and a CEO, were you always good at handling public criticism? Like you you said you have kind of this thick skin today. Did it take time to develop? Did you have it from day one? I mean, I think I have always been somebody that, like I said, I'm logical, I'm rational. I'm generally not that emotional um, of a person. Like I have emotions, obviously, but... um, I don't get in a lot of fights and not a lot of things upset me, right? And I think it's because I'm a pretty empathetic person and I understand generally people's motivations when they're upset with you or they're angry or they're making fun of you or whatever it is, right? You can always kind of understand where they're coming from. And if you can understand like the human 
piece of where somebody's emotions are coming from, it's a lot easier to deal with, right? And but I, but but yes, when I was young, it was really challenging. I I went to therapy. It was you know, there was a lot of growth that had to happen. But I think that that growth happens anyway as you go from childhood to adulthood for most people, right? And my therapist at the time gave me this example. He was like, okay, he actually balled up a piece of paper and he threw it at me and the piece of paper like bounced off of me. And he was like, so what just happened there? I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, imagine that you're like a metal pole. You are this stationary object and everyone around you are these little pieces of paper and they're being thrown at you constantly. And one bounces that way and one rolls that way and one goes that way. And what he was trying to teach me was that I still am myself. I am me and I cannot change or affect how people are going to react to me or at me, right? It is up to them, right? So it's like whichever way the piece of paper bounces, you know, that's on the other person. I remain constant. I remain the metal pole. (laughs) Totally. And, and I think to your point that the first thing you mentioned about having this awareness of there generally being reasons that people choose to react to you in a certain way, it actually probably has nothing to do with you, probably creates a good level of separation from it being an attack on you versus actually something happening in someone's life that is triggering them in some way by what they associate you with. It actually has nothing to do with you. Yeah, 100%. It's so interesting even now, especially on... I don't get as much trolling on Instagram for some reason, but on TikTok, the trolling is like... So interesting. Some days... (laughs) Cause it's like, it's a, it's a different platform, right? You don't, on your for you page, you just get random content, right? It's not content you seek out necessarily. And yesterday I posted this video on TikTok and one of the comments was, is that that girl from the Hills with like the the crying, (laughs) laughing emoji? And I replied and I was like, yeah, hi, it's me. I've had this normal job running this company, Love Wellness for the last eight years. Hi, how are you? So I sort of like love neutralizing conversations like that because then the person came back and was like, replied and was like, oh my God, I'm so happy to that see you. That is always what so happens. Well. It's always what happens. The second you engage someone who's trolling, all of a sudden they just like calm down for whatever reason, they just calm down. Yeah. I'm uh, like, hey, little fucker, I see you. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, I want to, ultimately we're going to talk about your company you've built and just the incredible success you've had with it. I want to move to, let's call it like chapter two, which is after The Hills ended in 2010, you pursued content creation. Obviously, it's something you still do today. What drew you to that type of work? I think for me, uh, so I moved to New York after The Hills ended, and I've actually been here for 11 years. But I think I moved here to try to escape Hollywood and the old adage is true. Like you come to New York, you can be anybody, you can do anything. hundred percent. It is absolutely the truth. Um, when I moved here, content creation or sort of like paid content creation was like, it was still the wild, wild west, but it was happening. Right. And I understood that I could make a living creating content. So I did a lot of stuff, you know, in the lifestyle space with beauty. Cause I like do have a deep passion for like makeup and skincare, <laughs> even though I'm a wellness founder and we make wellness products, 
I'm like a big nerd when it comes to beauty. Um, and then I went to culinary school. And at the time, I was talking to my talent agents back at the day, like back in the day, and they were like, you know, I think that you could have a really interesting career in the food space because I love to cook. I'm really passionate about nutrition. And so I went to the French Culinary Institute here in New York City, and I started to create a lot of food content, and it was going really, really well. And ultimately, I was in talks with Food Network Cooking Channel to have a cooking show. And then, as is the case often in Hollywood, uh, they totally changed their mind, and they were like, we're not interested in you as talent anymore. And then I had to completely reassess my life. And interestingly enough, it was at about the same time that my health started to fail me. And so I was having this crisis, this like identity crisis of what am I going to do? What is my career going to be? And I was also becoming incredibly depressed, anxious. I had like recurrent UTIs. I just was very unwell. Was the depression and anxiety a function of all the shit that was happening with the TV show not actually going through? Or was it that with other things going on in your life? I think it was all compounded because eventually I sort of made peace with it, um, you know, with the career crisis and realized I could still make a living. And, you know, the nice thing about the internet and about YouTube, Instagram, all these platforms is that it has really democratized what it means to be talent, right? You don't need a television network to provide you with a platform anymore. And I recognized that at the time. I was like, I can still do, I can still do this if I want to. And so that in and of itself was empowering. But I think my interests started to change as I became more and more unwell. And so any stressful event, of course, is going to exacerbate any mental health issues that you're having. But for me, it was much more physical than that. I had vertigo. I was dizzy. I was exhausted all the time. And so it felt physical. And I didn't know how to explain it at the time, but I was like, this is just such a intense shift from my normal state that something deeper has to be going on. And ultimately it was the case. It took me 18 months, tons of self-advocacy, lots of doctor's appointments, lots of research for a doctor to finally run a blood test and say, oh my gosh, Lauren, you have really severe vitamin deficiencies. And it finally makes sense to me why you are experiencing symptom X, Y, Z. And for me at that moment, it was an absolute breakthrough. It was pivotal. And it was that news that pointed me in the direction of starting my wellness company. We're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, we'll hear about how Lo launched her business the low point she hit before seeing the opportunity, and the learning curve she had to embrace as a first-time entrepreneur. Stay with us. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. 
And we're back. Before the break, we heard about the impact that reality TV fame had on Lowe and her career trajectory. But what I was most excited to talk to her about was the story behind building her business, Love Wellness, and the conviction it took for her to follow through with it. I want to talk about your company. I want to first just go a little bit deeper in, let's call it around 2016, when you're just experiencing a lot of this stuff. Uh, Questions around, I don't feel right. What is it that's causing me to not feel right? Combination of depression, anxiety. Like, What, beyond being your own best self-advocate, seeing doctors, trying to figure out what was going on. What are other things that you just did to try to navigate what sounds like one of the harder periods in your life, if not the hardest? Yeah. It was also really challenging because I went through like the worst breakup of my life at that point too. Yeah. I mean, that in itself, outside of everything else, like that can be the worst period of your life, just leading a relationship that was really meaningful. Yeah. So it's like the job you think you're going to have doesn't work out. You are physically not yourself. You're ill. The partner that you have that you think is like going to marry you leaves. And it's just like, it was just like a big pile of shit. Yeah. Am I allowed to say that? Yes. Yeah, you can say all of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so it was a period of just intense introspection and I did everything from like lay in bed for full days at a time to therapy, to taking a lot of Prozac, to meditation, to very intense exercise. And, you know, when you are having problems, you intrinsically try everything or try anything to try to make yourself feel better. Right. And ultimately some of those things worked and a lot of the things didn't work. And when you are suffering deeply, you grow immensely as a person. And, you know, those, those years are like 2016. It was an incredibly painful time for me. Definitely the most painful in my life so far, but the person that I have become as a result is striking to me in terms of who, who I was and what I'm capable of now. Let's, um, Let's talk about love wellness. Um, selfishly, this is uh, <laughs> okay. a part of the conversation I've been really excited to talk about just as uh, as an entrepreneur myself. Tell me about the inception of the business. I would have to assume it's associated with you kind of having this breakthrough with doctors, realizing your own vitamin deficiencies, but tell me the origin story. Yeah, so I discover I have all these vitamin deficiencies, but throughout this entire process, I am really like a student of science and I try a lot of things and I've always been into health and wellness. In culinary school, my program was actually a farm to table program. So it was classic French plus farm to table. So I got to spend a lot of time up at Blue Hill, at Stone Barns and learn from Dan Barber. And it was like amazing. Spent time on the farm. It's why I want to have a farm Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) It's because I had this hands-on experience, you know, with like composting and growing stuff and chickens and all this amazing things that really connect you to the earth and give you this understanding that there is so much life to live beyond just processed food. So I started to become really interested in nutrition through this program. And when I realized that I was dealing with vitamin deficiencies, light bulbs started to go off. And I was like, okay, because I was never somebody that believed in vitamins. I thought that vitamins and supplements were BS. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like they're scams that are just like people will keep buying them forever, but they don't actually do anything to you in your life. 100%. 
I had like maybe I had like never taken a vitamin in my life up until this point, until the doctor was like, oh, you're severely deficient in these things. And it set me off on this journey to understand why. I'm a big asker of why. I'm like a five-year-old. I'm like, why, 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 why? <laughs> and it turns out that nine out of 10 Americans have a vitamin deficiency and most are undiagnosed. And it's because of the state of how we grow and, you know, consume food in this country, right? Most people are eating fast food, food that like is really not that nutritious, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so it actually isn't that surprising that I was dealing with these vitamin deficiencies and they were very severe. The severity of them, I think, is more custom to my genetics and who I am. But learning about the vitamin deficiencies and, you know, why they were maybe happening to me kind of happened over time. And so I had these vitamin deficiencies and, and that was causing neurological problems, right? You know, depression, anxiety. And then on the other side, I was having these personal care issues. I was getting UTIs, I was getting yeast infections, which is like, of course, embarrassing to talk about, but it's okay. I've been talking about it for eight years. Just the reality of the situation. Just the reality of the situation, right? Like if you're unwell, your whole body is going to be unwell. And I kept going to the drugstore, you know, like to Dwayne Reed and using all of these old school personal care types of products. And generally speaking, they were not making things better. They were making things worse. And so then I started to ask, well, why, why is this? And I started to look at the ingredient profiles and I started to look at the history of the personal care category. And it turns out that a lot of what has been marketed as safe and effective for women for decades really is not. It was like developed in a lab by a dude 30 years ago to like make us smell nice or something, but not actually based on women's unique biology, our microbiomes, and what our bodies actually need to be healthy. So I decided to start Love Wellness because brilliant doctors kind of started to show me the light. And it's when I became more interested in holistic care and functional medicine, understanding that you need to look for a root cause to really understand some of these mystery symptoms that make you feel the way that you do. And over time, I was taught that I actually had a gut health issue. And in my new book that's out, we connect the gut to the brain and to the vagina. A lot of people have heard about the gut-brain axis, but the vagina is the forgotten third organ on that axis in women's bodies. And it is connected via the vagus nerve, the immune system, and the endocrine system. All three of those organs are connected. So I think back and I'm like, I had depression, anxiety, and I had these personal care issues. And what was the common piece of that puzzle? It was my gut. So I have... I had gut health issues. That was my problem. Gut health issues create vitamin absorbency issues, and they also create health issues for women because in your gut, you have this amazing microbiome that really functions as kind of your master immune system. And your gut bacteria actually communicate with your bacteria in your vaginal microbiome via a process called quorum sensing. And your microbiome actually is responsible for your pH balance in your vagina, which is responsible for 
preventing infection and irritation. It's acidic, right? It helps burn off pathogens and bad stuff. And so if you have a gut health problem, you're going to have a microbiome problem. You're not going to have enough good gut bacteria to tell the vagina to be healthy. And it may result in leaky gut, which then can trickle up into a neurological problem. It is believed, if you have leaky gut, that some of the pathogens that can escape the gut wall lining into your bloodstream can then pass through the blood-brain barrier into the brain and cause neurological problems. So I learned all of this (laughs) over time, not all at once. And Love Wellness really as a company is a reflection of all of what I have learned, right? Which is the gut is connected to the brain and the vagina and that there are really innovative science-based evidence-backed ways to support women's bodies. And we do that through probiotics, amazing suppositories, safe and gentle personal hygiene versus all of these like old school shit things that are out there that really have actually been disrupting our bodies. It's wild and it's so cool to hear just how much you have learned over this eight-year period of building a company. Like this, this is what I I'm such a nerd. I'm such a mega nerd. But 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 it <laughs> but it's funny because like that, I mean, to me, that's the most obviously there's so much, I don't want to say shitty stuff, but like difficulty in building a business. Like it can be unstable in the early days. Um yeah. it it can be lonely, but the positives of it are you can have an impact that you're really passionate about having on a group of people, potentially around a problem you experienced, while also learning a shit ton, like basically learning more than you would have ever learned in school. How were the early days of the business for you? Like, did you find that people were critical of you in the sense that you had made this transition from reality star to entrepreneur? Like, what did people say about that transition? You know, the first articles that came out about Love Wellness, they were all written with that sort of like little wink, you know, in the headline. Um, And back in 2016, I don't think that the general public or media journalists understood the validity of innovative personal care. Just the general understanding wasn't there yet. They still thought like, oh yeah, like Summer's even modest like that cool. You know, we didn't understand that toxicity could apply to that category in the same way it applies to like beauty and skincare, but it absolutely does. And over the past eight years, there has been a lot of knowledge, research, education on the subject matter. So now people understand that the category and innovation here is completely valid. But at the beginning, it was like, why do we need vaginal health products? Like that's BS. I've only heard that like you should use water down there. And it turns out living in this modern world, in these modern bodies, when our microbiomes are constantly under attack, that like we as humans need to evolve what we need to take care of our bodies, right? Like it sounds very obvious. Yeah, it's very obvious. And so the first few years, I think people definitely were laughing behind closed doors, but who has the last laugh now? Miss Lowe <laughs> does. Um, <laughs> tell me, what were the moment or few moments over the journey of the business that you just knew that this could be freaking massive? So I started in 2016. One of the first moments was when we launched into Ulta in 2019. And our 
vaginal suppository for yeast infections instantly became an A-rated product at Ulta. And an A-rated product at Ulta means that it is a top-selling product against all other SKUs. So here we are in a beauty store, right, with like a nationwide rollout, and our vaginal suppository is selling as well as their best-selling mascara. That's incredible. And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. We're doing something right. Like, People want this product. This makes sense. We are speaking to people in the right way. And the products actually work, right? Because like you only get to be a bestseller over a long period of time if the product actually works. And so it was also really interesting to me to have personal care products in a beauty setting because normally you think, oh, I have to go to like the tampon aisle, right? For these types of products. And it was in a makeup store and it was doing so well there. And that really turned on the light bulbs in my brain. And I thought, wow, are there other retailers like this where we can put the product so that discovery of this is more comfortable for the consumer? Because ultimately that's what it's about. If you're in the tampon aisle, you don't want to hang out there for a long period of time and like pick up new packaging and read it. You want to grab something and you want to hightail it out of there. But in a different type of retail setting, women want to be there. They want to linger. They want to explore and discover. So that A rating of our suppository was like the first feeling of like, oh, this could be really game changing. And then Target called. And what year was that? That was 2020. And when Target calls, you know, you're onto something. And so then we launched in Target and we launched in the natural beauty section, which is where you find like natural skincare, natural makeup, and the same type of success story at at Target. And so I think that was my second pretty major proof point that we were on to something incredible. And then I think, you know, just generally operating, you know, how fast the business has grown, you know, the, the economic milestones that we have achieved and are so close to achieving, you know, we're well on our way to a hundred million dollars in revenue. And that speaks to the power of the category and the power of education. It's incredible. There are so many things that I, as I reflect on your career, I can think of amazing strengths and skill sets that you developed, whether it was in reality TV or in content creation that can serve you so well as an entrepreneur. Like I think of the ability to tell a really compelling story, the relentless focus on the customer and on the brand, uh, having just a natural eye and ear for distribution and the power of distribution. Tell me about some of the biggest challenges that you experienced as being a first-time entrepreneur. Well, I'm not good at math. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. You can hire people for that. I have. Um, I think for me, just really learning good business fundamentals over time has been something that I've had to adopt. But certainly, I absolutely understand now, you know, how we should be operating the business. The first couple of years, I was flying solo. Um, I had a little bit of money and I funded the business myself and I operated by myself for two years. And I probably like never answered a customer service email, right? So there are things that I am like not good at. (laughs) And so for me understanding that to really be successful, I needed to build a team around me is one of the biggest lessons that I've had to learn. And also just management of people, right? It's, it's hard. And, you know, these are real human beings on your team and understanding how to operate in an empathetic way, but that is also good for business. 
hasn't been challenging, but definitely has, has been something that I have had to learn and, and adopt over time. How have you been able to navigate or manage the balance or lack thereof of running your business and scaling it as fast as you have with everything else that matters a lot in life? Yeah. You know, I operate a wellness business and I really do live by a pretty clear set of rules and boundaries for myself. I work like 9.30 to 5. Like, yeah, I'll answer a Slack or an email earlier or later than that, but I work and then I'm done. I take vacation. I sleep in. I don't have children, so I sleep in till 8 o'clock. You know what I mean? I truly put myself first and I do a very good job of separating work from time that I need to rest and recover because through all of this, it's not like I like magically was like ill and one day I wasn't, you know what I mean? It's taken years to really get better. I've had some interesting health problems happen to me along the way. There's been like a lot of things that I've had to deal with from a health perspective while raising money, growing a team, managing a business. But I think I just so steadfastly believe in the mission of the company and what we're doing and know that with enough time and enough education, we can like truly change hearts and minds that it has just continued to push me forward every single day. I love it. Lo Bosworth, thank you so much for joining Imposters. Thank you for having me. I don't think anyone could have foreseen a former teenage reality star one day making a huge impact on women's health, but that appears to be exactly what Lo Bosworth has done. And in the face of greater public scrutiny than most of us will ever experience, no less. I think what I admire most about Lo's story and what she's accomplished is the fact that she's been able to handle public criticism so well. As she said in the interview, she truly exemplifies a thick-skinned person who is able to distinguish between actual constructive criticism and simple online trolling. And I think this quality, along with her avid curiosity about her business and her field, is going to take her quite far in life. Now, Imposters listeners, we need your help. We would love to hear from you on how the conversations on Imposters have impacted your life. How does this show help you in your career or your personal life? Are there any particular guests or episodes that have stood out to you? And tell me the stuff that you haven't liked where you want the show to get better. Our goal is simple. We want to make this as valuable as humanly possible and make the show worthy of your time. So shoot me an email at alex at morningbrew.com and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Imposters is a production of Morning Brew. Our producers are Michaela Heck and Raymond Liu. Greg Jacobs is our video producer, and A.B. Silver is our booking producer. Our sound engineer is Rosemary Minkler. Our theme song is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Original music in this episode is by Rosemary Minkler. 